Mac Power Users, Episode 279, Word Processor Smackdown. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm well, David. How are you? I've got a new microphone. Can you tell? Uh, Yeah, I can tell you sound a little more Barry Manilow today. Her name was Lola. (laughs) I I used to know all those songs. My my sisters, or at least one of my sisters, was in love with Barry Manilow, and I could not stand him. I I thought I was like born in the wrong family or adopted or something because they were listening to Barry Manilow and... um, and um, Lawrence Welk, and I just wanted, you know, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. It was it was a rough childhood. Let me just say that. Anyway, um, we have a little bit of news before we get into the word processor smackdown. The first is our friend Stephen Hackett is doing something amazing over at Five Twelve Pixels. Uh, Stephen's also uh, a relay broadcaster and one of the co-owners of the network. Uh, you may not know uh, Stephen's son at six months was was diagnosed with brain cancer, and they've been going through this fight for many years. He's six years old now. He's still doing great. And uh, Stephen says the reason his son is alive is St. Jude, where it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you've got cancer and you're a child, they'll take care of you. And um, for years, he's been doing, in the month of September, these fundraisers. I've contributed in the past, and I'll be contributing again this year. Um, if any of you out there want to help out as well, I, I would encourage you to go over to 512pixels.com slash September, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's a, it's a great cause. I know Stephen and his family are very active in that. Stephen, I think, is actually running uh, in a 5K to help raise some money for them as well. And uh, I know the Mac Power users community has been very generous. Stephen's audience has been very generous. I donated as well. So I'm, uh, I hope that wish him the best of success in those efforts. And on the subject of sponsors, last week we had a sponsor, Tunnel Bear, which you may re- recall is that VPN service that's really cool. It allows you to log in through Starbucks without getting hacked or pretend you're in a different country, if that makes sense. Uh, just with the uh, exchange of emails and, and scheduling, we got a late-breaking discount code from them, so we didn't have it when we recorded last week. But if you go to tunnelbear.com slash MPU, you get a 20% discount. And that's just for Mac power users, listeners, you guys are in on the secret. So go check it out. Uh, once again, it's tunnelbear.com slash MPU and you get 20% off. So uh, please go check it out. Yeah. And that was our fault. I apologize. We, we got our weeks mixed up with them um, and, and didn't get that information out to you quickly enough. So uh, definitely check that out. And our apologies to tunnel bear for not having that information uh, when we, when we read their ad last week. Okay, so this week I wanted to do a comparison of office suites, and um, you did. You were all excited about it. You sent out tweets, and you got lots of we- uh, people are quite opinionated about the subject. Oh yeah, but you know it's interesting because I think in 2015, um, you know, the show's been around for a while, but things have changed a lot. You know, a lot of the stuff is is cloud based now, and some some of the independent developers are coming up with some cool ideas. And I just wanted to to compare all the office suites, but then I started outlining it and I realized that it was going to be like a five hour show because there's so much to talk about and all these elements. So, and um, I said, I can't go five hours on. Yeah, I don't think I could either. Um, But either way, so we decided we're going to scale back a little bit to today's a word processor smackdown. We're going to talk about the word processors, not only the big ones, but some of the little ones. And um, there's lots of elements to this. Uh, So this is going to be a fun show if you're out there and you need to do word processing. This is not a show about text editing, so we're not going to talk about text editors. These are actual word processors that you make documents that you may want to print out or 
do something like that with. Um, and a lot of people still do that, believe it or not. So um, when I started the outline, I, I thought it was kind of fun, but it's really not your grandpappy's office suites anymore. Uh, as we move into this year, iWork has made significant changes over the last couple of years, and we just got a new version of Office. And there we've seen the rise of the Google Office Suite, too. And um, so I thought before we get into it, I'd like to just go over a little bit um, of how we're going to discuss, um, you know, where the, the applications are at this time. So with respect to office, they had the big change, I believe it was 2014, uh, the, or maybe it was even late 2013 where we had the unification where uh, pages and numbers and keynote were dramatically changed on the Mac because they, they really redesigned everything. So, the iOS and the Mac versions had the same code base up until then they had been two independently grown applications with the same name, which made synchronizing and sharing data between the Mac and iOS quite difficult. Yeah. And there was, there was a big uproar about that because with the, the big change came, you know, some disadvantages as well, because Apple does did one of these, we're going to completely rewrite the code from the ground up or perhaps borrow some of the iOS code, I'm sure was the case in this particular circumstance. But as a result, the features, many of the features uh, that people were used to in some of these applications ended up disappearing. They were perhaps simplified a bit. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that as we get into the nuts and bolts of pages, but it, it did significantly change. Um, it also added a much better online component than it ever had, and it also became free. So there were big changes to iWork in the last year or so. Um, Microsoft Office, likewise, got a, a new release just a few months ago, the 2015 version of Office for the the Mac. And that's a lot more than just uh, Word. It's Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, OneNote, and more. But we're going to be focusing on Word for the show. Um, Microsoft Office also has seen a lot of platform increase. They've got not only on the Mac now, they've also got a really nice version on iOS that we're going to talk about in this show. Uh, Microsoft has also joined the race to online. They have an online version. And uh, there there is a cost, uh, but the cost has changed. It used to be you just had the option to purchase it outright. Now, it's more of a subscription-based model, although we're told at some point you're going to be able to purchase it outright as well. I but think that's, that's coming in October, is yeah. what I've heard. And that's going to be hundreds of dollars when you buy it. And the subscription is $10 a month around. They've got different models, but the one I'm using is $10 a month, um, and which I think is pretty average. Um, and then there's the Google suite. And uh, Google has a documents, uh, the spreadsheet presentation software, and it's free, you know, following the Google model. It's um, it's part of your Google account. And it's really a different bird altogether because, you know, the file storage model is different and the goals are a little different. But I think we're going to cover those three in comparison. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to go over the other alternatives out there because like there's Millel and Nysis and some other applications that don't really fit into this comparison, but are real options for you anyway. Yeah, so there's okay. a lot. To, there's a lot to cover here. A lot of yeah. a lot of options. And I know we've done a word processing show before, but the, the landscape has really changed since the last time we did the word processing show. And, you know, I know in the past, David, you've been really down on Microsoft Word and you're kind of a fan now. Yeah, I'm more of a fan now than I have been in a long time. Um, I I get to I get the joy of using all of these applications every day. 
Um, I, I think you do too, Katie. Although I, I don't know. I do. I do. In do you fact, use pages much? I do, but not so much for word processing. I use pages much more for uh, a little bit of light. Um, gosh, what's the word I'm 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 looking for? A little a little bit of light desktop publishing. So I, I use them all. I use them as a podcaster, as a lawyer, and all the other things I do. Um, and all three of them get used quite a bit. So I, I've def- I've got definite opinions and thoughts on it. Um, I think maybe one point I wanted to make before we got too deep into this is is this truly is a word processing show. We're talking about documents that can be printed out at some point. And in my mind, that's the big distinction because in 2015, there's also a lot of uses for writing where the words never print out. I mean, when I write an article for Macworld magazine, that's never going to, there's no more magazine. It's not no. going to get laid out. It's, it's going to go on the web or when I write something for the website, it's just going to go on the web. And in that regard, I don't need page numbering and a lot of the other types of tools you traditionally see with a word processor. But, you know, just looking at Twitter, I know a lot of our listeners do need word processing. So let's start talking about some of these. Um, do you want, I, I, I think one of the big issues and, and probably the first issue of consideration uh, for all of these options is stability. Um, and when you're going to be making a decision about which one of these you want to use, one thing you want to know is that it's, it's not going to crash. And that was a big problem for me with Microsoft Word, and I know for you as well. Now, I will admit that I'm still using Word 2011, and that was the version of Word that we were using the last time that we recorded the show. I know you've upgraded to Word 2015, so perhaps we can kind of share different experiences in that regard as to whether it's any better or any worse. Yeah, uh, on Word 2011, I had lots of crashing issues, and and it was really frustrating because they have an autosave feature, but it's not always really done. And so I, 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 free, I lost data more than once using Word. And uh, one of the things I found was I would have the program crash when I was selecting text to copy and paste. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a, I believe it's, what is the, because I've got the new version, I don't remember, in the settings it's called like smart copy and paste or... It was something about, it's something about pasting with formatting, but it, it, was, it was a smart something and... It, yeah. it's a, I'll see if I can pull it up. Yeah, it's in the preferences. And I turned that off um, a couple of years ago and it drastically reduced the amount of crashing I was getting in Word. Uh, but it didn't entirely remove crashing in Word. <laughs> so I, I agree. And I had the same problem. And it also lots of beach balls very, very regularly when crashing. Two tricks that I have used to solve this. Um, one is our, our good friend, TJ Luoma we've had on the show a couple of times created a keyboard maestro macro. And I've put a link in the show notes where he he's written that up before uh, he previously published it on uh, Tua, the unofficial Apple weblog. So it's been archived over at Engadget, but he wrote a keyboard maestro macro that says if Microsoft word is active and every minute thereafter auto save, you know, basically hit command S. Yeah. And, and that has saved me. That has saved my bacon more often than not. Because when it crashes or when it beach balls, I know that I can just go ahead and force quit because I haven't lost anything more than the last minute of work because keyboard maestro is sitting there in the background automatically saving things. Isn't it sad, though, that you have to run some something as drastic as that, that you have a third party application force it to save every minute because you don't know when you're going to lose data? It's it's horrible, but uh, it's it's a necessary evil. The, um, the, the other trick that I use to get around that issue um, is a lot of times, and I think this is a trick that you introduced me to, David, 
is I use the text expander placed as paste as plain text trick. Yeah. And basically what that is, is if you're copying and pasting something, um, text expander has a feature where you can either save something um, as a rich text format, or you can save something as plain text format. And that's just a little flip of the, of an option at the very top of it. And so I've created uh, a very, very simple text expander snippet that simply paste the contents of the keyboard uh, as plain text. And so my keyboard shortcut for that is just PT semicolon. And so I, I actually use that now. I've trained myself in Word that when I'm pasting something, instead of hitting command V, I use PT semicolon. And that tends to help. Yeah. And and so the text expander, just to make it clear, it's not the keyboard. Um, uh, it's it's the uh, copy buffer that you're pasting. Correct. So, so text expander has a, a copy buffer. It's called clipboard. And that's, that's probably why you said keyboard. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say keyboard. I meant clipboard. Yeah. So it's clipboard and you just, it's just a wildcard. You put it in there and it pastes whatever's in your clipboard. And since you can set it as a plain text, then it pastes it in and it avoids the word processor having trouble. Um, so 2015 in terms of stability is better than 2011. That's the good news. Um, the bad news is it still occasionally gives me a crash. I just, over the weekend, I was up in Portland uh, having a great time at the XOXO conference, by the way. And I had to do some, some legal work and I was, you know, plugging along on a contract thinking I was just the boss and I was in the search and replace mode in word. And I'm not a big fan of the way word does search and replace to begin with. But anyway, I was in the middle of that. And just making some adjustments to the search. Like one of the, this is what it was doing, frankly. I was given a document and they had two spaces after every period. I know that bothered you. It did bother me because I don't think with the typography we were using, it was necessary. I understand with a typewriter, that was a big deal, but this is not a typewriter font. So I I was setting up a search and replace. So period, I just did a search for period, space, space, and replace it with period, space. And that would have fixed it in the whole document. And I hit execute and the whole thing just went up in flames. And I have no idea why I did that. So um, that's no fun. And I'm getting that on occasion, but not nearly as often as I used to. Command S is still your friend in Word. You know, hit Command S frequently and often. I think part of it is that, you know, Word is really primarily designed for the PC and that the team at Microsoft is probably not nearly as big that's working on the Mac. And a few crashers got through. But, yeah, and there, I'm still seeing updates pretty regularly for Microsoft Office 2011. I don't know how much more frequently that will continue now that 2015 is out, but I still keep hoping. Maybe it will stop crashing when I paste, but... No, it won't. It won't. <laughs> You're going to have to upgrade to the new version. But it is interesting. I still think it's probably in that general area that it's having problems because I was doing a search and replace when that happened, and um, which is not entirely different from a paste. But uh, anyway, uh, pages, I have not had any stability problem with the new pages at all. I don't think I've ever seen it crash. How about you? No, I haven't had any stability problems with pages, uh, but I, I use it for a much more limited set of things. I, I think the the bigger problem I have with pages is just the feature limitation at this yeah. point. You know, we're going to go through up. that. Yeah. We're definitely going to go through that stuff, but I want to kind of break it down. by this This first category is just... The first question you're going to ask is which one is more stable and okay. in terms of stability pages is just fine. 
Um, I've got plenty of problems with pages. We're going to get there. <laughs> and then Google Docs is interesting because it's not an independent application. It's a it's a browser view. Uh, you know, you search for it in your browser and you go to Google Docs. Google Docs is plenty stable, but you get a different experience using Google Docs with Chrome versus Safari. Now, um, the last time we had this conversation, though, I think it was a pretty bad experience when you use Safari. In fact, I would regularly launch Chrome just to launch Google Docs. I would say that is not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah, it's better. It's definitely better. Here's a here's a pro tip. If you use Google Docs on Safari and you want to select text, always use the keyboard. Always, Absolutely. always use the keyboard. Because uh, if you select it with a mouse, you can't copy and paste text or anything. I mean, and a word processor that can't copy or paste text is kind of a problem. Um, but when I do, like, I'm in the middle of a, of a big project. I don't know if I can talk about it. I guess I should. I'm, I'm going to be doing some work with Linda. So I've got a bunch of Google Docs I'm working on for them. And I have like 20 open at a time. I'm not going to do that in Safari. I just go ahead and open Chrome for that. Um, okay, so stability. Um, pages is probably the winner in that kind of stuff. Word is not nearly as bad as it used to be. Um, it's still got some issues, but hey, you know, <laughs> it's better, I guess. Um, in fact, I think stability for me is one of my biggest complaints about uh, Word and the Office Suite historically. By far. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, before we move on, let's take a, a minute to talk about our sponsor. And I want to talk about our friends over at Smile Software and their amazing application. In fact, we've already mentioned it once in this show. If you're listening closely, you'll know what I'm talking about. That's Text Expander. Text Expander is an application that allows you to do all sorts of great things with text on your Mac. You can have it substitute text, like you can type in my email and it'll go blip and it'll fill in your entire email. It and and the blip is important. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful sounding blip. I, I like it very much. It gives me um, happy chemicals every time I hear it because I know I just saved myself some keystrokes. It also works for other small things that are complicated, like typing your phone number out properly. It takes a little bit of work. Why don't you just say my cell and then all of a sudden it fills in. But you can do way more than that. You can fill in um, very long snippets. I do it for contract terms in the day job. I do it for just long bits of text. I even do it for movie reviews. I'll type in movie review and it gives me a whole bunch of text that, that I can fill in the name and the director and what I thought of the movie and when I saw it. Uh, if you name it, I've probably made a text expander snippet for it. They also have advanced tools like the ability to fill in a snippet where it can go in and fill in a name. I've just published at Max Barkey recently a snippet I use in emails that automatically grabs the first name of the person I'm sending the email and fills it in for me. Uh, there's just so much you can do. They, they keep building on that basic tool set to make it better. Um, there's plenty of text fill-in and text replacement tools out there, but none of them are like Text Expander. They just go above and beyond. You can go ahead and sync your snippets via Dropbox so you can get them on multiple devices. Uh, you can search them from the menu bar. You can add snippet groups from other people. Like if you go to maxsparky.com slash TE snippets, you can download a bunch of the ones I've created and add them to your library. It just goes on and on with features. Like I said, it, it just keeps getting better. And this is one of my, my favorite and most key applications. Every time I rebuild a Mac, it's one of the first things I install. You know, a computer without text expander is like chocolate without peanut butter. So, so go check it out. Thanks a lot, Smile, for supporting the show. And let them know you heard about it from Mac Power users. Okay, so probably the next area that we want to talk about is how do you manage all of these files that are that are created by the various word processing 
programs. And yeah, I mean, believe it or not, they all it don't varies use the same a idea. Bit. Yeah, and it and it depends because they're they're different options. So, um, ironically, I think Word might have the most options because they've gotten very. I, I was going to say cloudy recently, but they're they've very much embraced the cloud. Yeah, and I, both Microsoft and Apple acknowledge that people are increasingly using cloud-based document storage. Um, so, but they both also keep one foot in the old system because for a lot of people, that's the way to do it. Like I, my, my day job documents are all in the local traditional file system. So using both word and pages, you can have documents on your Macintosh hard drive and it can look at subdirectories and do all those things. But both companies also have their own, I I don't want to say proprietary, but I, I would say kind of exclusive file storage system in the case of Microsoft, it's OneDrive. And when you get a subscription to office 365, you get an allotment of OneDrive space, depending on how big of, of, uh, you know, account you buy. Um, and with, with pages and Apple documents, it's iCloud. Did you notice that iCloud got cheaper by the way, Katie? Yeah. That's a nice uh, touch. Yeah, it is. It is. Cause I'm paying for it for a three people. Cause we've all got our own photo libraries. You know, anyway. it's kind of odd that that still isn't connect. I, I can go off a tangent, but that's still not connected in um, family sharing. That you can't just buy a terabyte for the family. Yeah, that would be nice. But um, in fact, I was just talking to Adam Christensen about that earlier today. Um, and they both support things like Dropbox. I mean, Dropbox is kind of a hybrid. It 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 portrays itself as a traditional file system on your computer, but it's actually cloud storage. So that makes it really easy to use it anywhere. Um, the file management is is perfectly adequate on either word or pages google docs i don't think their file management is as good it's exclusively cloud-based and um you know just working with a large group of documents in google docs isn't really that easy no and especially if you're working with google docs on ios because you then you have to start opening multiple programs yeah well i mean let's put that aside for a minute because like you said google docs does have like a a, a document application program, versus yeah. a sheets program but just navigating like if you've got a hundred documents in google docs you can put them in the folders but but navigating through those folders takes time in the browser that's not nearly as snappy as it would be in the finder and like just moving files is difficult i mean i i work in google docs quite often with the mac power user stuff and some of the other things i do and like I'll create a copy of a document as a template to start somewhere. And sometimes I'll find that it's not where it needs to be. And I just forgot and moving it takes time. And even then, you know, Google is supposed to be the search company, but I even find like searching through the Google drive is not as intuitive as it, as it could be. It used to be that they had it all in one big bucket, you know, the Google drive, and now they're trying to separate it into different components. But um, generally, I don't find file management all that pleasant with Google Docs. No, in fact, I, I tend to go out of my way to keep my folders as thin and as minimal as possible so that I can dig stuff out, you know, find what I need. And then I, I kind of keep this archive folder that I keep other stuff in so that I don't have to look at it. I, I've got um, and I'm not saying that you can't use it. I know there's people out there right now banging the dashboards in their car. It, it does work, but it's just kind of tedious and thinking like in my law practice, I have thousands of documents, you know, thousands of documents. If I had all those in something like Google Docs file management system, I think it would make me nuts because it's just it's just not that convenient. I don't know anybody that's using Google Docs with thousands of documents, but I'm sure I'll hear from a few. No, I'm sure show. there are. I'm sure yeah. there are. Yeah. 
um, that you can do something you can do with Google Docs that's more recent is um, you can download like local copies. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. So th- there's ways around it. I mean, one of the hangups I think we probably had the last time we talked about Google Docs is that if you lose your Internet connection, you're out of business. Um, that's not necessarily true anymore. But um, but I, I would say file management, I, I prefer to have at least the option for traditional file management system. Right. And, you know, I don't know to the extent that you mentioned this, but it it makes it the the these various applications. Obviously, you could all always integrate them with cloud services on your Mac because you could throw them in a Dropbox or you could throw them in a OneDrive or you could throw them in whatever on your Mac. That was very easy. But when you when we start talking about iOS later, it's made it very easy to integrate. Some of these services have made it even easier to integrate with those types of services on iOS as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a thing now. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think this show became relevant is that people are doing work on iOS and cloud-based solutions. And all of a sudden, uh, cracking this nut is a little bit harder than it used to be. I mean, when you go back to we had one computer that we did word processing on, most of these features weren't necessary, these cloud features. But now they definitely are. And everybody's kind of coming at it from a different direction. And we'll get a little more into the iOS stuff, I think, a little bit later in the show. Yeah, I've got a whole section of the outline for it. I know, um, I know you do. We do. Um, one of the most frequently asked questions I had when I when I put on Twitter that we were going to do this show is everybody said cover track changes. That's a big deal, I know, for a lot of people. And I'll be candid that I really don't use track changes anywhere other than Microsoft Word because for so long, you know, Word has been, you know, the... You know, the thing that all other track changes have been judged by, and I don't know that words track changes is anything special, but everything else has always been judged by how does it do track changes compared to Microsoft Word? I use um, track changes in, in all three platforms. So let's go through them. Uh, let's start with Word. Um, I, I do think Word has like teams of people working on track changes and it's very powerful in Word. You can approve and accept um, the display of the, the change tracking is very good. One of the main reasons I use Word is in the day job when I'm working, collaborating with another attorney. A lot of my practice is contract based. You know, somebody comes to me and they want to make a deal with somebody else and they want a lawyer to help, you know, protect themselves. The um, As I go through these these documents, I always do it in Word because that's always what the other guy is using. And the ability to track changes is key. And it's, it's the reason why I'm paying $10 a month to Microsoft um, where I had some problems with stability with, you know, word over the years. I have never had any problems with track changes. It keeps the changes that I put in there. It does a great job of, and I've, I've had some documents over the years that are, you know, a hundred pages with, with maybe 200 track change events or more you know, sprinkled throughout it and it always catches them and there's just no problem. It it works rock solid. Um, Has that been your experience as well? It has. And I think people are very used to track changes. Uh, If you're using track changes on multiple computers, though, it can get a little weird figuring out that, yes, you're you're the same person on this computer as you are on this computer. I think that's probably a better transition from iOS device to computer. Have you had that? Yeah. And th- th- when you set it up, you, you tell Microsoft Word who you are. And if you have it on a laptop and a desktop, as I do, um, it will identify different computers, but it'll still identify the user. So that's not too much of a problem. But I understand what you're talking about. Like if you don't identify yourself on your laptop version of Word, 
it's going to look the exact like- same way as you do on your desktop version. Well, and it may be easier for you because you have the subscription program. So you're always signed into the same, you know, if you have a different box copy version on one and a different on the other, it's, it's probably a little more difficult. Yeah. And I don't know how relevant it is, but that subscription is nice because I can install it, I think on three different machines, um, which is nice. Um, and then now pages also has a very, I think a very adequate track change system built in. Right. I would argue now, that this was a long time coming though. Um, you know, I've lost track now what year they put it in, but it's been in there at least three years now because one of my standard workflows when I'm writing the field guides and the other books I work on is when I get to my editor, my editor doesn't want to pay for word and she's got pages and track changes is just fine there. So all the text comes out of Scrivener or Ulysses or wherever I'm writing all the text and goes into pages for a a temporary, you know, a little hiatus to, uh, to go to my editor. And then she, she tracks changes in it. I think the interface for change tracking in pages is more pleasant than the interface in word. Um, that's a totally an opinion, but just it, it displays on the left. It's easy to see. Um, I, I just think, you know, because Apple is a design company, I think that the way they lay those changes out are just a little bit nicer than it is with word. But you have you ever tracked changes in pages? No, never. Okay. Yeah. But now Google Docs, I have been very collaborative in Google Docs before, and they don't really call their feature track changes. They they have a couple of different tools that they use. Um, Google Docs is very good about keeping different versions of things. So you can always, you know, see what somebody did, you know, click on a on history. You can pull up a full history of who logged in. And um, you can highlight what things they did to a document. So you can kind of see what changes somebody made at, at what login. Uh, but they also have a commenting feature as opposed to track changes. Yeah, and that's newer. That's within the last year or two, I believe, that got added. And it's it's not as robust as a track changes, but being able to comment on text in a document without like the goofy way we used to do it, where you like add text and just change the color within the body of the document. Uh, this is much better. And, yeah. and as an editor or reviewer, you can go through and say whether or not the comment has resolved or not. Um, and Google Docs has come, has made some distance there. They're not caught up to Word or Pages at all with track changes, though. Now, I've been trying to talk about iOS integration for a while. Okay. Can, can we go there? Um, well, I was going to say, can we do Mac integration first oh mac os integration yeah we can do mac it's, integration because it's, it's shorter and uh yeah but the um you know one of the things you're looking at with a word processor is how much are they really going to integrate with the operating system i'm on and pages is made by the same people that make the mac operating system so that's a no-brainer right they're going to have the best automation tools and they're going to have the best integration into the system you would think. Well, and it's free. I mean, when you buy a new Mac, I, I don't, I haven't bought a new Mac in a while, David. Is it automatically downloaded or is it just as soon as you open the Mac app store, it pops up and says, hey, click here to get this? I think if you, so last time I bought a new Mac, I logged into my existing account and it was already there. But I think if you buy one and create a new account, as I understand it, it just shows up. Uh, but so pages, I would give this a yes and a no. Yes, it is more integrated because the pages team is looking at the newest features. Like when, they put sharing into OS 10, you know, I think it was last year, the sharing button, the little rectangle with an arrow pointing up out of it started showing up, you know, that went into pages immediately and came out with the operating update. And that is really useful. So like when I'm creating a, I create a lot of my documents 
for the day job in pages when I'm not going to be collaborating with other attorneys. And I just hit the little sharing button and I'm able to send a PDF copy without having to print a separate version to PDF. There's, there's some nice things there. I, although I would say, I don't think Apple's done a good enough job integrating. They could go further. I mean, it, it should have even more automation and Apple script and automator support. Um, I, I, like when they came out with the retina max, it took them, several months to get caught up. So I don't think they're giving it the full throttle treatment in terms of OS integration, but it's nice. It's better than word. I mean, word took, I think a year to get retina screens. So um, there is an advantage to using a word processor that's made by the same developer as the operating system. And I think the flip side of that is Google docs, which is almost as unintegrated as it can possibly be no thank you we don't want to be on your operating system but i mean it's like the the built-in browser if you use safari browser google docs doesn't work as well as it does in chrome and i understand you know there's two different priorities uh you know apple's not necessarily interested in making safari you know perform nicely with google docs and google chrome isn't or google isn't necessarily interested in making google docs perform its best in safari but um, you have to actually go to a third-party browser to make it work, you know, fully, which isn't great. Now, Word has, it's gotten better. It's gotten more Mac-like as the years have gone on. Yes. But it's it's still kind of a stranger in a strange land. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's cleaner, the 2015 version, and I, I talk about user interface below. But the user interface has made progress in Word. It, it was a couple of years ago. I would I took screenshots when I wrote the the uh, Mac at Work book, and that's been I've lost track now. I think that's about four years ago. I took screenshots of like all the inspectors and everything you could open, and it, it looked like a jet fighter cockpit. It did not look like a word processor. Um, the new version, you know, focuses on a ribbon, and and they are definitely trying to be a team player with the uh, with the Mac but it's also Microsoft and they're going to have their own way of doing things like, let me just confirm this because I'm almost certain that the, the case is, yeah, the, the new file, you know, to open a file, they wrote their own file open dialog box. Um, they couldn't just use those standard one. And that's, that stuff always leads to issues. Well, and as a result, some of these third party tools that are built to work with things like this don't always work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Mac integration, pages is probably the strongest word is okay and google is a uh, not necessarily that interested <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway. all right so we've talked about mac integration so i'm gonna take a break and talk about our sponsor but then then david can we come back and talk about ios integration yes we because i've been trying to get you there all episode okay and you've been you've been pushing me off. So uh, we're going to take a quick break now and talk about our next sponsor. And that is Fracture. And I, David, have gotten m- my brand new Fracture this week. And actually, I got it two weeks ago. And as a result of that, so many other people in my office have ordered Fractures. After seeing mine, they were jealous and had to order some of their own. So what is Fracture? Fracture is a company that will take your photographs and print them on glass. And it's amazing to see these if you've never seen one before. It They just, they somehow, they take a piece of glass and they cut it to size and then they magically somehow print your photo on the back of it. So when you get this amazing piece of 
it's really artwork, artwork that you created because you took this photo and sent it to Fracture. You uploaded it through their online process, told them how big you wanted it, told them what size you wanted it. Um, and they go off, they print this photo on glass. You tell them, is it going to be desktop? Do you want it on a desktop stand? Is it going to be something that you're going to hang on the wall? They provide you with the appropriate mount. Um, it's a very, very thin piece of foam board on the back so that you can mount it and so that it stays sturdy. And boom, you're done. The end product is this gorgeous piece of artwork. It's very thin. It's very light. They ship it to you with everything you need in the box, all self-contained, very, very sturdy so that you're not going to have any kind of problem. Uh, and then you get it. You put a screw in the wall or you stick it on the um, uh, the tray that they provided you and boom, you're done. You don't have to worry about getting a frame. You don't have to worry about getting a mat. Your artwork just has an opportunity to shine through. And I finally got around to ordering my uh, Grand Canyon photo. I got a big 23 by 23 inch square fracture uh, because I've been saving space on my wall next to, I had two photos from my Alaska trip a couple of years ago. And so I got a big 23 by 23 inch uh, fracture that I took at sunset in the Grand Canyon uh, to go up with it. And uh, got that fracture, got my laser level out, put three holes in the wall, put them all up. And man, my office just looks top notch. I mean, everybody in the office has come by. They've commented on my fractures. Every client who comes into my office, that's the first thing they notice. They are great talking points. It's a great icebreaker. We can talk about the trips. Um, and then a bunch of people actually end up buying them. I've had a couple of my office mates come in and say, what, what are those? And I said, well, this is what they are, and, and this is how you can get one. So if you decide that you want to get one, uh, you can head over to FractureMe.com, uh, pick out a print. The prints start at just uh, $15 for a 5 by 5 size print, um, and then you're good to go. Upload your photo, they'll make it, uh, and then ship it back off to you. Now, fractures are extremely popular holiday gifts, and so if you want to get one in for Christmas time, um, they're saying you probably want to go ahead and start ordering as soon as possible because uh, they're opening up additional production facilities and additional shipping facilities, but they were swamped this time last year for the holidays. So if you're thinking about ordering someone a fracture for the holiday, probably want to go ahead and start thinking about getting that order in now. So uh, head on over to FractureMe.com. If you haven't ordered yet, you can use the promo code MAC15, that's capital M-A-C-1-5, and save 15% off your first order Thanks to the kind folks at Fracture for their support of the show. Now, when the people at your office ordered them, you gave them the promo code, right? Absolutely, I did. All right. All right. They said, huh, that's kind of a cool promo code. Where'd you get that? I said, oh, I know people. That's a whole nother story. It is a whole nother story. All right. So let's talk about iOS integration with these document uh, word processors. And this is something where we really have good news since the last time we did this. Um, Yes. uh, So Pages is uh, really the closest to feature parity. They, I mean, they... In some instances, they they cut features out of pages on the Mac in order to get us to a point where everything can go back and forth between pages on the Mac and pages on iOS. And it paid off in that regard. I um, I do, like I said, quite a bit of work in pages. Um, You know, at the end of the show, I'm going to explain that I I do a lot of my legal stuff in pages if I'm not going to be sharing it with somebody because um, I like the interface better and it has the features I need. And I... I'm often on my iPad. You know, I'm one of those weirdos that works on his iPad all the time. So I've got documents. I was just doing a contract the other day that I've been writing in pages and opened it on my iPad and made some changes while I was out and about. And uh, I'm very happy with the ability to open documents between the two applications. Uh, The only times I run into trouble are when I use uh, unique fonts that are not on my 
iPad. Um, but other than that, like most of the key features, including track changes and the things like that are just fine um, on pages. Um, how about you? Are you using pages on iOS at all? Not much. Okay. Um, because I, when I'm doing word processing on iOS, I, it tends to be mainly text editing. Um, okay. But I do have a story. Okay, let's hear it. So you have been telling me for a long time now that I needed to get an Office 365 subscription yeah. so that I could use Word on my iPad. Yeah, I, I have been telling you that. Yeah, and and so I did. Okay, good news. Well, then why yeah. don't you have 2015 installed if you got any count? Well, actually, it's it's a longer story than that, and I'll save you the whole thing. But as as Mac Power users, listeners may know, I've been having some issues with my computer recently. Yeah. Um. In fact, as we record this episode right now, it is not here. It is again, third time's charm, maybe. Uh, trying to be repaired by Apple, and so I have had a couple of swaths of Apple's pretty good about getting you this back quickly, but you know, three four days at a time where I have not had my MacBook Air. And that's been a big pain because I'm, you know, taking this master's course and um, several of the documents that I have to pull up are in pages. A couple of my professors um, will send notes or will send things in pages that we have to refer to in class. I mean, I tend to take most of my notes in Omni Outliner, but I still have to go back and forth documents and pages. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I keep saying pages, but I, yeah, I mean, I was word. getting really confused. Yeah. yeah. Like your, your uh, professor is really forward thinking. Yeah. So they'll, they'll keep sending things in, in Microsoft Word that we, we have to have access to. And so my workflow all along has been, I save all the documents for the classes that I'm currently taking in any given semester in a Dropbox so that I have access to them everywhere. And I realized, because it was kind of short-term notice, that I could take this Office 365 subscription, use the uh, Microsoft Word application on my iPad, it has great integration with Dropbox. You know, Microsoft introduced that that partnership with Dropbox. I think it was earlier this year, maybe into last year. And I can just take right off where I left off. I mean, I, I take my Bluetooth keyboard. I take my iPad. I've I've had to do this for several classes now, and it is just amazing. Yeah, you know, it's all the you know the problems I was talking about with stability with Word on Mac. I don't have that problem on iOS and. Uh, you know, I don't know what the teams are at Microsoft that did the iOS version of Word, but it's really a nice interface. I don't, you know, we saw it at the Apple event last week um, that they're even making more improvements to it for the iPad Pro. But even on the standard iPad, I find Microsoft Word really pretty pleasant to work with. Now, it doesn't have all the features. And to me, that's probably one of the reasons why I like it, because I don't need all of the features. I do need track changes. I need the you know basic word processing abilities. But um, like you, I am happily and surprisingly impressed with the word for for um, for iPad. Yeah, I'm going to throw in one more little tidbit, and this might kind of answer your question of why haven't I downloaded um, Word 2015 for the Mac yet. Uh, I actually was able to get a license for free from my school. It okay. was one of the one of the benefits of um, of being a student again uh, is they offer. Uh, I guess you know my school has a deal with with Microsoft. Um, is they offer a limited number of free licenses to students. So um, I've got I've got the iPad license, and I think I have one or two desk it's a limited use license so i think i have one or two desktop licenses that i have to associate um with my student id now obviously i use i lose that at the end of the year 
So um, I was going to wait until the end of October to see what the uh, what the pricing is on the boxed version because it may make more sense for me to just go ahead and buy the boxed version and then I'll I'll have it for several years. Uh, and partly because my computer hasn't been here, it's been shipping off so many times. I just haven't wanted to mess with installing it, but yeah. I probably will. Especially if you're changing logic boards, it may cause a problem. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to risk losing up one of those licenses and then lose the logic board and then have to call and, you know, try to figure all that out. Um, I don't know the answer to this and I should, since we're doing a show on word processing, if you purchase the Microsoft office suite for Mac, does that give you access to the iOS version? I don't think it does. No, I don't. Well, we don't know what the the current one does not. The current 2011 version does not. Um, We don't know yet what the, what the deal is going to be for the 2015 version. My suspicion would be no. Yeah. I mean, they, they really want you to pay subscription. They don't want you to buy the box software. Um, Right. Okay. Well, you know, it's good news though, folks, if you're on pages or word, you can get real work done on an iPad with either one of those applications. The files are going to have generally good compatibility across the platforms. And because both um, pages and Microsoft and Apple have now invested in their own cloud services with iCloud and OneDrive, you're going to be able to share the documents back and forth quite easily. So, I mean, just think back to when the when the iPad first released and they had that goofy thing where you had to copy um, documents over to your iPad with a copper wire. And, you know, it was just nuts. I mean, now it's really quite easy to get work, real work done. And that brings us around to Google Docs and Google Docs for a while. Um, I believe I remember at one point where you would try and do the stuff in the browser and in Safari, which mm-hmm. never worked, worked really well. And then they started releasing dedicated apps and they have a dedicated app called Google Docs, which um, was not very good as recently as about six months ago, but has made a lot of strides in the last six months. Like I remember working on a Mac Paris outline in Google Docs once, and I could not add a bullet to a document on the iPad. There just was no function to put a bullet on. So I had to go find bullets in prior entries and <laughs> copy and paste them and then rewrite the text just to get bullets. So it was nutty. And, and now it's not that way. It's actually really good. Um, I went up to to Portland for a a trip recently and I have, like I said earlier, I have like 20 Google docs I'm working in right now. And I knew I was going to have a two hour flight and I wanted to work on my iPad. Um, And so I went in and that one of the things they have is offline support. So you can go on the application for um, the Google docs application on your iPad. You can say, mark this one for offline use and it downloads it to a local I guess, cash on your iPad. So I was on an airplane disconnected from the world and using Google docs for two hours. And as soon as I landed and reconnected to the internet, everything got updated. No problem. So, um, Google docs, you know, they've, they've made really big strides on iOS as well. I I would say in this category, uh, none of these, um, there's no, um, you know, there's no deal killer for any one of these. If you want to work on iOS, uh, there's none of these that, that really prohibit you from doing it. I, I agree. And I've been, you know, like I said, since I've been using my iPad a lot more often the last couple of weeks, it's, it's been nice. It's been nice to know that I can have access to all of these things. And I'll tell you, David, the, it used to be, and I obviously still losing your Mac for days and days at a time, um, multiple times in the same month is never fun, but it's, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. You know, now yeah. that you, we've got all these tools on iOS. If you've got your documents in a place that your iPad can find them. And if you're using software that supports it. So I agree. 
Um, one of the, the categories here is what I call the checklist battle, you know, uh, the number of features. And that that's always a thing. I don't think it's as much of a thing for people who are just trying to pick the right one for them. It's more of a thing for IT, uh, you know, people to choose which one has the most features because that way they're not going to get fired because it's going to have whatever anybody needs. Um, Microsoft Word, not surprisingly, wins that battle. They have just a ridiculous number of features. And I don't think I don't I can't think of a single word feature that's ever been pulled out of a subsequent word of version of word. If they added something in 1985, it's probably still there in 2015. Um, uh, and as a result, there are some features in word that you're just not going to find anywhere else. When I raised this question on Twitter, a lot of our listeners said that they just have to use word for educational writing because it's got bibliography and some other features that that just aren't available anywhere else. Um, I think there may be a couple where it is available. We're going to talk about some third party applications later. But in general, I get that, you know, like if you're working in the education system and you're got a thesis and all of your advisors are working in Word, you're going to need it. Um, If you're publishing something that's got special layout features that Word has, you may need it. Um, But that I guess the point I would make about that is don't make that the reason you you go with Word unless you actually need those additional features simply having them available is not good enough. Yeah. And I think many people, especially people who are fairly new to the Mac, they say, well, okay, I can't buy a Mac because if I have to go buy a Mac, then, you know, I've got to go buy a Mac and that's expensive and I can get a PC for cheaper. And then I've got to go buy all this new software with a buy a Mac. Cause you know, I don't get word with a Mac. So I got to go buy word and then I got to go buy this. And then I got to go buy this. And you know, maybe, maybe you don't need to, but I always, I always try to ask them to justify a little bit. Why? Why do you need to buy Word? You don't, well, because I need to be able to type stuff. Well, no, you don't. Yeah. And we're going to recommend, um, kind of have um, recommendations at the end of the show and reasons to jump from one to the other. But just because that's what you've used in the past is not a good enough reason. I think Pages is going to be just fine for most people. And and the feature list in Pages is not small. I mean, they have track changes. They have typography. They even have layout tools that I think in, in a lot of ways are superior to that of Word. So, and it's free. So, you know, take a look to see if you've got the features you need. Um, Google Docs, um, in some ways, is barely a word processor. It's more of kind of a traditional text editor that's based on the internet, but they have added a lot of kind of word processing type features over the last few years. And I think that's because it's been adopted in so many schools. I mean, between Chromebooks and just the fact that there's no license to use Google Docs and with the cloud-based storage, it makes it really easy for teachers and students to share stuff. Um, you know, Google has a lot of penetration in the school system. And and as a result, sometimes documents get printed and they, they've added a lot of, of um, word processing features, but they're still pretty far behind pages in Word. You know, I've seen a lot of students at um, in, in my program who who use Google Docs exclusively. I yeah. think that's that's fairly common, probably more in undergraduate programs, but you still see it. My, my daughter did that throughout elementary school. They set them up with Google Docs accounts when they first started working on computers and papers were submitted, you know, online. The teachers would make comments. I mean, it's not, you know, it's becoming a force. And in fact, we heard from a lot of listeners that said, I stopped using Word and Pages because Google Docs is exactly what I need. So um, that's a thing. Hey, let's take a minute and talk about um, another sponsor, and that's our friends over at Agile Bits. And I'm talking about 1Password. I have a 1Password story for you as well, Katie. Um, 
my sister called me and she said, Hey, um, she says, I have a problem. I said, what's going on? She said, well, one password on my Mac told me that, um, my, my password for a certain website is no longer good. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And it turns out that, you know, the one password watchtower service caught something for her and, and one, what password we've talked about before. It's a password manager. It, keeps track of passwords it generates passwords for you but these guys are always going above and beyond and one of the services they have watches when you create passwords and then they they also watch out for security vulnerabilities with all those vendors so if you make a password for you know the acme website and then the acme website gets hacked uh, one password watchtower will say hey you need to change your password at that website because they've had a problem well that's exactly what happened with my sister and she thought she was such a boss when she called me because she's not a big computer person. But the fact that she could have a program tell her that she has a vulnerability, uh, she just thought was great. And this is just one more story, uh, success story, I would say, of 1Password. Because not only does it work for us nerds, it works for people that aren't nerds. And everybody needs a good password protection system in 2015. So you can get the application uh, from the website or directly from the Mac App Store. They have bundles on the website if you want. So you can go get, you know, like if you have Mac and Windows, you can get a bundle to do both of them together. But no matter how you buy it, uh, this is the application to use. It creates and stores strong and unique passwords. It's multi-platform. It can sync through Dropbox or iCloud. It also makes it easy. It auto-fills the passwords for you. And um, it's just just really a, a surprisingly amazing thing that we really have needed for a long time. So I've been using it for a long time. I share it with anybody who will listen to me. Uh, I will be singing their praises long after they're sponsors of the show. Uh, go check it out yourself at onepassword.com. We hear every week from a new listener that finally tried it and can't understand why they waited so long. Don't be that person. Thanks one password for sponsoring the show. Uh, you can learn more at, what was it? Agile bits. Or just onepassword.com. Yeah, onepassword.com slash MPU, and that will get you a discount. Discounts are good things. But even if you just go buy it at the App Store, um, let them know you heard about it from us. All right. So we've kind of gone through, a throughout the whole episode, a, a list of pros and cons and and things like that. But do we want to kind of maybe summarize yeah. highlights of each i mean there's some things that just didn't really fit in anywhere but i think are are worth noting if you're sitting there keeping score at home and trying to figure out where you need to go with this stuff and so i have some pluses and minuses for each one um starting with pages because that's the one that everybody listening to this probably has installed on their mac sure uh, um uh, a plus for me is as goofy as it sounds is search and replace you know pages is stable and the search and replaces in one window it's a better interface than word and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, beach ball when you try to paste. Well, that, that documents. was a unique, that only happened for me that one time. So I don't want to make that into a big thing, but, but even just like the way um, word handles search and replace is you type a search term and then you hit a drop down to make it replace. It's not in one window to begin with. And then when you hit the drop down, it opens up a window on the left side of the screen. So then it like switches your direction to a different part of the screen and the whole thing just feels tedious where a search and replace on, on pages is much easier. And I do a lot of search and replace stuff. Um, like, like I said, I can't even stand it when there's two spaces after my periods. Um, yeah. You know, I think a big plus for pages has to be the fact that despite the fact 
that the complete redesign of Pages required it to lose some features for the Mac version, it does have total iOS integration. Everything that you do on Pages on the Mac is going to completely transfer over to the iOS. Yeah, that's really special. Um, I think another plus is the user interface. I um, And this is a subjective judgment, but I, I think the user interface of Pages has always been better than Word. And part of it's, you know, to be fair, they don't have as many features, so they don't have to put as many buttons, dials, and whistles in the user interface. But it's just real clean and easy to use. So that's nice. Um, what about what about some negatives? Yeah, well, one of them I'll tell you, because this drives me nuts all the time. I write contracts with pages and the auto numbering system in pages is not easy. It doesn't work as easily as Word. In Word, you can set a, um, a heading and put an auto numbering tag to it. It's a little I'd almost have to screencast to show you how to do it, but it's really not that hard in in a Word to say, OK, every time there's a heading to give it a second level numbering you know if you have sequential numbering in your document and every time you take a a block of text like a line of text and you apply that formatting it's going to auto number it properly so like one of the things i do all the time is i write contracts and i'll i just write the text i'm writing it in scrivener byword ulysses whatever and i just paste the text into word unformatted and then i want to go back and apply the headings so like if i apply the headings in word and i give it a heading one tag it gets numbered properly and the stuff underneath it gets numbered properly. And if I delete one later, everything gets renumbered and everything just works. Um, and auto numbering in pages is not that easy. It will work once you set it up, but you can't just simply apply headings and have it fix itself. The only way to make it really work from my testing is you have to block and copy and, you know, create like a specimen heading that has the proper numbering in it and block and copy it and then just rename it, which is goofy. And, um, but that I do that all the time because that's the only way to really make it work in pages. Yeah. Did that make any sense? Um, I I think if people use that feature, it made sense. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Another another negative is uh, the OS integration should be better. I mean, it's made by the same company, like the automator and the um, Apple script support could be way better. I think. Yeah. One of my big negatives with pages, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, is we lost a bunch of features when there was the big redesign. And particularly the features that we lost in pages were a lot of features that I use. I've been using pages quite a bit recently uh, for more desktop, light desktop publishing type things. I've been, you know, kind of creating some marketing brochures and and things like that for my new law practice, because I'm going to be giving some talks and need some handouts. And boy, pages is just great. I, you know, in 30 minutes to an hour, you can create a really nice custom designed handout with great fonts and, um, you know, great backgrounds and just looks great. But you know, still doing simple things like, um, you know, text wrapping and, you know, flowing text from one page to another. Th- those are all things that used to work and are pretty basic in the word pro- in the uh, desktop publishing world uh, that they just don't anymore. Yeah. Like, seriously? I know. And outline mode was really, I thought, really pretty good in pages before. It's just gone. Um, um, one of the listeners had commented that they wanted two pages up on the screen. And it's just gone. And yeah, I actually talked to people at Apple about this and they say, well, we're working on it, but boy, it's been a while and we haven't seen much of this come back yet. Right. That's true. And if, if they truly do come back with it, if outline mode re- returns and, and it shows up in iOS as well and works just as well across both platforms, I'll be the first to, you know, you know, eat crow on that. But the, uh, but for now it's just not there. 
What about Word? What are some of the things you like and dislike about Word? Well, the thing that I like about Word is something that I've I've really learned recently, much much to your prodding, is that I'm really digging their new iOS apps and and they've made big leaps and bounds with iOS. And I think you can see that based on the fact that, you know, they were really they were featured in Apple's recent keynote. And their iOS app is very usable. It is almost desktop class. It's it's certainly a very suitable word processor um, for for iOS, and it is a true word processor for iOS. Yeah, I, I also would give word props for collaboration. And this is, um, I mean, one of the reasons is just because everybody uses it. But if you're writing a document where you do need to share and track changes with other people, uh, word is the you know, is the baseline. It's the one that is probably going to work with other people. Um, the, uh, the user interface, I gave them a negative in the outline. And as I think about it, I think they've done a pretty good job with the user interface. It's just, there's so many tools. I mean, they've made a lot of progress. It's not nearly as bad as it used to be. And stability is better, but I still see instances of crashing with uh, the newest version. I can't speak to the newest version because I'm, you know, due to my issues, I haven't installed it yet. But I, I agree. It, it, at least with the 2011 version, stability is definitely still a problem. The, um, the update process in Word always feels like it's too hard. I mean, I just had to do an update of it before we recorded the show today, and it took about 20 minutes. And you know, it updates the updater, and then it updates the app, and every, you know, just I don't know. It, it feels to me like that's something that could be cleaner. Um, and then other things, you know, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a ton of experience with 2015 word. Yeah. So how about Google docs? I mean, the, the premier feature of Google docs, we switched to Google docs for show notes. And I think the premier feature is clearly the collaboration. You and I can be working on two different parts of a document at the same time. You know, you can be working something at the top of the document. I can be working at something, you know, lower in the document. It, the collaboration feature in Google docs just can't be beat. Um, and then we can even share that document if we have a guest and they can add things in. It seems pretty ubiquitous. Most people have access to Google Docs now. I had an emergency once I was in the middle of trial and the judge threw out all the jury instructions and said, OK, I want this a new system for the jury instructions. And we had to have everything done in one night for the next day. And I opened a Google Doc and we had, I think, five different people typing because this was a massive thing. We had five different people working in that same Google Doc at one time typing tons of text in there and things were just jumping all over the place, but it was working and we were able to get this done in a very collaborative, uh, you know, function. I mean, it, that's, that's why you put up with all the other sins of Google docs is because you can have that contemporaneous collaboration and, um, you know, the formatting isn't all that great. And the UI I don't think is all that great, but, but because the collaboration, that's what brings you in. Um, and then obviously the downsides, mm, you know, it's, it's still, it's, it's not an application. You have to use it in the web and that can be an awkward experience. It's kind of ugly and it's kind of awkward if you want to make copy, you know, just file management. There's a lot about it that just feels hard and it's because it's in a browser, but they are never going to make a Google docs app on the Mac would be my guess. And I'll tell you why in the next section. Okay. So, so the next piece of this is online components. You know, what, how do we compare the online components of these things? Um, you know, Google docs steals the show. I mean, it just works. Like I just got done saying it, everything connects. You can have multiple people in there. Nothing breaks. It's awesome. 
but it's in a browser. Now you go over to pages and, you know, Apple famously announced that pages now does things like Google docs where many people can work in the document at the same time. And it's all no problem, but it is a problem. It doesn't work that good. And, um, it doesn't work that good, particularly when you are working in native applications. So like if you are in pages, um, you can share a link to a document. I can share a link to a document with Katie for the outline of the show. In fact, we tried it once and Katie was going to come after me. I never, ever, ever again. Okay. So that wasn't really a fair test. And I'll tell you why we, we stayed in the applications when we were doing that test. And, um, so I'm in the native pages application, which has to communicate with the web. And then the web shares the data over to Katie's computer. And then that shares it to her native application as well. Well, when, you know, but part of me doesn't care. It was such a bad experience that I never want to try it again. Oh, I don't I, care. I want to try it again. I think it's been a, it's been over a year. You got to give them a chance to get better at it. But this is the, my point is Google docs doesn't have to do that. All they are doing is working in the browser. I mean, we should try this again just with the iCloud browser version because they have an iCloud browser version and I've done tests with that in prep for the show and they're much faster and much more responsive. They're not Google docs responsive, but they aren't, they aren't nearly as bad as they were when you were uh, trying to work through the native app. I had a similar experience with word. I mean, uh, Microsoft word has an online version. If you collaborate in that, you're better off because you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, the programmers use the term down to the metal. I mean, you are right you know, at the data on the cloud base, as opposed to having to share the data, you know, to a third party application and do whatever it takes to get it there. So um, it's not really a fair comparison of Google Docs to these native apps. And that's why I think Google will probably never prepare a native application um, for Google Docs on the Mac, because they're going to create the uh, same problems for themselves that that, uh, Pages and Word have. Probably. Um, all that being said, if, if what you're really going to be doing is, is collaborating and that's more important to you than UI and, um, feature set and pretty much any other word processing feature, the answer is clear. You need to use Google docs. All right. Well, you mentioned in the beginning of the show that there are some other options that we still need to talk about, but before we do, I want to take a brief moment. And I want to talk about our next sponsor and so pleased to have them returning back to Mac Power users. And that is our good pals over at Squarespace. Uh, with Squarespace, uh, you can just build it beautiful. Um, I love Squarespace. I host my own website with Squarespace. I know David uh, hosts Mac Sparky with Squarespace. But you, the reason that we do is because when you need to give yourself a place online, we like Squarespace because you have all the power that you need in your hands to build a great site, but you don't have to worry about things like hosting. You don't have to worry about, do I need to rebuild my database? You don't have to worry about, are you going to get hacked or is my site going to go down? Because Squarespace just takes the pain out of all of that. With Squarespace, all you can have to worry about is, what do you want to put on the website? Uh, Because you can build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding required. They make it very easy to use with their block-based building system. Um, You can change the colors. You can change the fonts. You can change, does it have a sidebar? Does it not? Um, They've got state-of-the-art technology that helps power your site, so it's going to be secure. You're going to have web-optimized versions. You're going to have mobile-optimized versions. And they've got dozens of stunningly beautiful templates that all have very responsive design that's just going to make your site look amazing. 
I, for example, um, recently found myself on a committee with a couple of judges and a couple of other attorneys, um, and we were developing a new curriculum for new lawyers, and we decided that the best way to disseminate this information is we needed our own website. And everybody kind of looked around the table and said, well, gosh, we don't have any money in our budget to go hire a web designer and create a website. And I kind of stupidly opened my mouth and said, well, you know, I, I can do that. I can do a website. And everybody looked at me and said, are, are you sure you want to do a website? That's a huge project. And I said, no, no, I, I can do it. So of course, what did I do? I went over to Squarespace. I got the site. If you pay for a year, you get the domain. And within less than an hour or so, I had the basic site up and running. I had all the information put in, went back to the next committee meeting, showed them what I had done. And boy, was I the hero because they have no idea how easy it is. And I might admit that I didn't exactly tell them how easy it was because I kind of liked being the hero. Uh, but if you run into help and you need help, um, Squarespace has got that too. They've got 24-7 support via live chat and email. So if you um, want to go over to Squarespace, there are a couple of great ways that you can do that. You can start with a free trial with no credit card required by start building your website by heading over to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, because we know that you will, use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. I would have been really tempted to like send them a bunch of emails and make it sound like you were working out for like two weeks and, and schedule the emails. So they're like sent out at like 2am. Yeah. You know how to do that. And then we yeah. could um, probably get you some free dinners out of that. Yeah. Be like, guys, I just need a little more information for the website. I'm still here working on it. That Katie Floyd. She's a trooper, man. She built that website in the middle of the night. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they don't listen to this. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. No. Uh, who knows? All right. Other options. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the big three, Google, Microsoft and Apple, because they really do provide kind of across the board features with cloud services, cloud versions, local versions. And it seems like that's the, the place you want to go with comparing them. Uh, but there's other uh, word processing applications out there that are definitely worth mention. Um, um, two that come to mind are Nicest Writer and Millel. And Nicest Writer, to me, is a really uh, good alternative to Word. If you just don't like Word, um, I would recommend checking out Nicest Writer. It has a bunch of features. Um, you know, it's got the, the same laundry list that, that the other versions do. They have two versions. They have Nicest Writer Pro and Nicest Writer Express. Uh, but the Pro version uh, does, I mean, it, it has comments, tables, bookmarks, table of contents, footnotes and endnotes, macros, watermarks. I mean, most of the stuff that you're going to be using in a word processor. And there's some people I know that want those features and they just don't like Word and pages isn't strong enough for them. And I would recommend you look at Nicest Writer. I think um, Tanya Angst told me that they're using Nicest Writer to write the take control books right now, which is, you know, that's a really testament. Those are some big Mac nerds over there. But anyway, you can find it over at nicest.com, N-I-S-U-S. And I, I look at this really as a alternative to Word. You know, when you're looking for Word type, uh, type features, but you don't want to deal with Microsoft or the OneDrive or the cloud stuff. And it's not that expensive. It's $79 for a, um, for a single license of nicest writer, which you're, you know, you're going to spend that in eight months on a, on a word subscription. The other one is Malel and Malel, um, just talking to some of our listeners and people who've been on our show. I know this is very popular with academics. It's very friendly towards the, you know, writing a big academic paper. 
And if you go online, there's a bunch of people talking about, you know, tools and templates that they use for it. Um, again, it's not that expensive and you can get into it. And earlier when I was saying that people use, use a word because they have to for educational, uh, writing, I think Mobile is a real option for those people. So if you're, if you're using a uh, word because you have to in an educational setting, I would recommend checking out Mobile. It may, may take care of you. Mobile um, for iPad is $19 and I'm not sure how much it is on Mac, but it's the first time it's $79 as well. Have you used either one? So of those? all all of these are significantly less expensive than a, yeah, than a and, office subscription. Yeah. And they're independently developed. And, you know, one of the, the advantages of living in 2015 is that small developers can make a program that can legitimately compete with the things from the multi-billion dollar companies. Like both of those aren't going to have as strong of like cloud support and some of these other options that we've been talking about. But if you don't need those features and you just want a really good word processor, Malel or Nysis may be just what you're looking for. Yeah. Now what I, I have not used either of these, but what I have used is the open office suite of projects, which I now know is, I believe it's been rebranded. Is that, that's the library, right? Yes. Yes. It's open source office suite. You know, it doesn't cost anything. So if you don't want to spend any money, um, I haven't used it in years, so I put it on the list, but I, I don't have really any recommendations to make about it. Yeah. And it's been a while since I've used it as well, but I know it was always kind of my go-to recommendation when you had people who just, and this was kind of in the days pre pages, because now that pages is installed in every Mac, it, it's kind of become my default recommendation. But when you would have people who would have new Macs and just flat out did not want to buy a Microsoft office. Yeah. Um, sub- or back then it wasn't subscription, but yeah, license. And uh, we got a lot of Twitter uh, feedback saying, oh, you need to cover Ulysses and Scrivener in a word processing show. And I understand why. Um, we've we've covered both of those applications at length in the past. In fact, we did a full show on Scrivener very early in the Mac Power Users days. That was one of our very first shows. I think um, we've done a couple of shows on Scrivener, actually. Yeah. And those are great applications. I don't really consider them word processors. They're not made to lay out a page. They're made to organize documents for a big project. That being said, I'm not against looking at those in detail again someday. The um, Ulysses um, recently got an iPad app. I know Scrivener's been working on one for some time. I think once they kind of get all that sorted out, we may need to do a comparison of those two. Um, and uh, I know that we've got a lot of listeners that use both of those applications. Uh, text editors are also a different show. I mean, we've talked about text editors a lot, but I don't really see it here. Um, so Katie, uh, how are we using these applications? You know, what are we doing? Uh, what, you know, wh- where are we making our own decision about this stuff? Well, I think we've talked about it a little bit throughout the show. I mean, for me, I'm using all three of them in, in different ways. Uh, pages at this point, I'm using primarily for, for desktop publishing type features or it, not so much for, for text, not for much for word processing, but if I need to make something that's uh, that's that's not just a full page of text, I'm using it to create custom invoices, or I'm I'm using it to create a little fancier document, if if that makes sense. So that's what I'm using Pages for is when I want to make something look pretty. Um, pages definitely does that and and does that well. Um, Word I'm I'm using basically when I need to work with the rest of the world. Um, I'm using Word for my schoolwork because that's what all the professors use. Uh, and I'm using World uh, Word when I work because that's that's what all of uh, the people that I collaborate in, in the professional world use with. 
Uh, and then Google is, is kind of what I use for everything else because it's such a great collaborating tool. If I'm on a committee with somebody or, or even just collaborating with you, uh, Google more and more is the tool that I'm going to. Yeah, I, I'm similar. I use all three. I, I would say that I use pages for documents that I control. And that's both in the legal and non-legal realm. I had to make a very detailed operating agreement for a client. It was turned out to be about a 60-page document. But I knew I wasn't going to be sharing it with another lawyer. I wasn't going to have to deal with a whole bunch of change tracking stuff. And I just use pages because I, I know pages. I like it, except for that numbering thing I talked about. It's really quite, you know, a powerful word processor. And I like the way it you know works on all my platforms. So I did that. Um, if I'm going to do something that I share with somebody else um, for collaboration type legal stuff, it's usually in Word. In fact, I don't think I ever use Word outside of a legal context. And maybe that. That shows the underlying bias of this whole show. Um, but, you know, Word is good for that stuff. And then Google Docs is collaborative. I mean, if I'm doing a speaking gig, I may have a a, a, um, a Google Doc open with a co-speaker so we can kind of plan. Uh, it's just a good place to collaborate. And um, and I so so that that's really the pecking order for me. If I control it as pages, if I have to share it as Word, and if it's a collaborative thing, I do it in Google Docs. Um, yeah. I, I would recommend that, if you're out there listening and you can't make up your mind, you start with pages. It's free and just see if it satisfies your needs. It makes that makes a lot of sense because you've got it. Most people have it or you can go get it from the app store. I don't think word is a given. I think word is something that you, you get if you must, you know, if you're in a situation where you do need to, to track changes or you, you need those additional features because you're getting your PhD. I mean there, that you have to have a reason to get word. I don't think it's something you just go get on a lark anymore. And even, well, and it's also the type of thing that you can now pick up for a month or two if you need it for a specific project. Yeah. And I would also say that if you find that you must get Word, I would look carefully at Nysis and Millel because that feature you may need may be in one of these other applications, which, you know, is, is less of an investment and maybe even a little easier to use. All right. Well, have we have we smacked them down? We've smacked them, but I have one last question. The navel gazing part of our show. Okay. And what's the relevance of a word processor in 2015? A, 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 um, a Twitter listener asked me that question. I said, you know, that's a pretty good question. Um, it's not as important to print pages out as it used to be. And a couple of lawyers are going to be printing documents, but a lot of other people aren't. And, um, and I don't know that it, they're definitely not as relevant now as they used to be. I, I like anything. It depends on what you do. Yeah. Uh, word processors are just as relevant to me in 2015 as they were in 2000. Um, probably more so, but I think it depends. It depends on your profession. It depends on your job. I think word processors are a lot less relevant for students in 2015 than they were for students in 2000. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it depends for everyone. The, the other thing I thought that was interesting is um, I was just talking to someone recently about the author of the game of Thrones books. That's uh George R. R. Martin and and yeah. someone was telling me he works in um I think it's WordStar like on an old old decrepit PC because hmm. that's what he knows and I was talking to another uh, a lawyer friend of mine who's a really smart guy and a really smart lawyer and he does all his work in a very old version of WordPerfect and both of these guys are capable of writing very strong materials with ancient you know, technology is word processors. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you want to become a great novelist, you don't buy the fanciest typewriter. You 
you work on your skills of being a novelist or a writer, um, no matter which one of these you use, it's not going to improve your words. Right. It's not, it's not the tool. It's the craft. Yeah. Although I would argue that Scrivener and, and um, Ulysses could actually improve your words, but that's, that's a whole, that's a different argument for a different day. But either way, um, I think they're still relevant. Word processors are still relevant in 2015, not for everybody, but for the people they are. And one of our listeners, Matthew Kirschenbaum, uh, has a book coming out from Harvard Press in the fall called Track Changes, a Literary History of Word Processors, which the title sounds intriguing to me. I'm going to go ahead and put a link in the show notes. So I may end up reading that. Um, anyway, so there we did it. We smacked them down. And I don't think we have a clear winner. No. Well, it depends. The answer is it depends what you're doing. Um, you know, we're lawyers. The answer is always it depends. Not always. I can tell you times when it's not. Um, but the uh, like my answer about using Microsoft Word a couple of years ago was was very it was not, um, you know, <laughs> it was very clear. <laughs> my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's improved. But uh, anyway, um, that's it. I'm sure you've got some thoughts and comments that, of your own that you want to share. You know, we do a live show once a month on the first Saturday of the month. So get those comments into us either as emails or as an audio comment, which is even better. Yeah, you can send those uh, to us. You can send those to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Uh, or you can find links to the stuff that we talked about in this episode, uh, as well as ways to connect with us on Twitter uh, and our various websites at our website at uh, relay.fm slash MPU um, or slash 279 is this particular episode. Yeah, and on Twitter, if you send a tweet to MacPowerUsers, we're at MacPowerUsers for the show, and you put hashtag AskMPU in there, it will get to a list that makes it much more likely to get read on the air. So make sure you do that. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Smile, Fracture, 1Password, and Squarespace. And of course, don't forget about Stephen's St. Jude fundraiser as well. Yeah, please support the sponsors. That helps support us, and we much appreciate it. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>